Thanks for tuning in. This is Jack Simpson here with another podcast episode for the State of the Arts. In this discussion, I'm going to be chatting to David Firth, who is an English animator, writer, a musician, actor, voice actor, filmmaker, video artist, and broadcaster. Um, known for work like Devo and Salad Fingers, um, has worked with Charlie Brooker, um, done all kinds of interesting things, and we had a really good chat, um, really about motivation and uh, yeah, just just what's going on in his creative process and and a bit about his journey to where he's here. I think it was a really interesting conversation. Um, yeah, and I hope you like it. So I'm gonna pass over now to that discussion, and um, with any luck, we'll open with um, a bit of the the opening music as played by David. Cool. Hope you enjoy. Locust Toy Box, it's just really, it just feels very different to the animation stuff, right? Yeah, um, I don't have a, I do compose music for animation and I can make it dark and discordant, but I feel like music for listening for pleasure is not dark and discordant, in my opinion. Mm. For some people it is, but that's the stuff that works well with, you know, narratives. But I wouldn't sit down and listen to all these diminished chords and stuff. Like, yeah. Do you think do you think you go to so if you think about dark and, and discordancy, do you think you go to that is something you go for in an animation? Yeah, because it creates an atmosphere, but then sometimes you the music I make's too kind of like floaty and nice and dreamy to to put in an animation because it, it just sounds too kind of cheesy in a way. But yeah. I, I just um just make what I want to listen to, really. Uh, so, yeah, but I, I call it all Locust Toy Box. So even the dark soundscapes that I use for the, uh, the soundtracks. But, yeah, the, the stuff that's meant for listening to is, is just generally the sort of thing I'd want to listen to. And, and do, you, do you kind of personally then go, go to different art forms for different things? So you go to music for something maybe more soothing or...? Yeah, I think there's got to be... Um, there's just too many ways to get out those feelings and... If it's it just it just comes along in waves. Sometimes it's painting, sometimes it's animation, sometimes it's writing. I go through phases of just like writing loads. Um, some days I just don't feel like animating or painting or making music, so I try and work out what it is I've got to do. And what like how how do you work out what that is like? Is is it is it like a feeling, and you try to work out how that feeling wants to come out? Yeah, just look look around. Uh, say if I looked at the piano, I might think I've got loads of ideas. Yeah, and then I'll try and record them. So almost like you're kind of like a, a, an organism that that has some kind of awareness to work out how to like like we might go to I don't know we might know that we want to eat or yeah it's exactly like that um, you do feel hungry I do feel hungry for doing something yeah. creative and then I can be satisfied after that and sometimes I have a, a hunger for doing absolutely nothing creative at all and I just want to sort of play on video games something. Yeah, do you do you often feel like you seem incredibly creative? Do you do you um, yeah? Do you do you often feel like not 
not doing anything? Um, it is easy to not do anything, but really? then I find it satisfying when I am doing something. Um, for example, my, my, my dad will just sit and he'll be watching telly, but he's not watching telly, he's scribbling and he's, he's drawing something in his book. And I just thought, if he's pretty much entirely drawing. He doesn't make music, he doesn't write. Um, so it, I feel like he's got it all focused into one thing, yeah. which is drawing, and does it just constantly. Uh, doesn't even think about it, just keeps doing it. It's what he enjoys doing. Um, whereas I don't really sit there and, and draw so much. I can't just sit and draw. I, it feels like I need to be putting it into something that I can, I, I don't know, I see, tend to think more about it and try and think, well, what am I going to do with this? Because otherwise it's just a drawing. It's just going to sit there. So, um, so it, and it, maybe so there's a more kind of almost conceptual and narrative based. Yeah, it's got to the point where I am focusing now. I'm saying, well, if I'm going to use this creative energy, I might as well put it into something that I can use uh, or sell. Or something yeah. Like yeah. That. Um, do you find, did you find over time from when you started the, the imperative to do stuff that's commercially useful or stuff that will fund the rest of your life do you, do you find that has changed over the years well I, I've got much higher rent these days so yeah. I kind of think well I've got to if I'm going to do some artwork I might I'd do a big canvas that I can sell um, but, but when it comes to music actually though there's never any feeling that there's going to be profit there like the Locust Toy Box that doesn't make any money Yeah, like it, it, it sells maybe sell a hundred copies of my album but that's not gonna, you know. That's like a month's rent, really. Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna pay for the time that you spend doing admin on it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I don't. That's the one thing I see as a hobby, music that can be also useful because yeah. then I don't have to pay other people to make it. So. And is it nice to have a, an art form that um, doesn't have that kind of commercial pressure that you? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, as well, I was um, I was talking to uh, Flying Lotus because I collaborated with him quite a bit. And he's got a lot of pressure on him to make music. And so, you know, he's, it's, it's kind of, you can tell he's, he's a bit anxious when the, the music's coming out because people have got to enjoy it and people have got to buy it. And I was just saying, I, I can make anything, any music I want, and it's just, it's not going to sell. So I don't really care yeah. what the music's like. And I can take ridiculous chances. I could make a, like, bebop album if I wanted. And... It wouldn't make a difference. I don't yeah, think yeah. sales would be any better or any worse. It'd just be the same. It'd be a, few, a handful of people would buy it. Some people would say, oh, that sucks. Some people would say, oh, that's quite good. And then that's it. it <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't really hear about it again. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I guess there, that is the way that kind of like success. Have you, do you feel the similar pressures that maybe Flying Lotus feels with the music with with things like salad fingers do you feel like there's more on the line or there's a different kind of thing on the line when a new salad fingers comes out yeah kind of but also see i don't want to i don't want people to stop being interested but also i don't want them to predict what it's going to be like so i want to take them by surprise and if they get exactly the salad fingers they expected then that's kind of more of a failure than if they watch it and think that's a bit weird I'm not sure if I like that one it seems like that's the preferable outcome yeah. for me yeah when you think about kind of I don't know like the late Simpsons or whatever it was really you know I've, I've they've just done so many episodes <laughs> that you can't be disappointed with and I think once you've done that many episodes you just just continue doing it and 
like fade out or whatever. I don't think they should completely end it because there's a bunch of people who, you know, it's the job, isn't it? Yeah. But I don't think anyone's expecting the next Simpsons season to be like the classic. The again. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's just too too many things have gone. It's like I, I feel like it's the same with no one expects the Rolling Stones to put out the best album next year. Do no, they? no, I mean, no. They're still putting albums out, but yeah. they've just got to continue doing it. They're not going to do anything else. It's and they you know perform live and I feel. But at the same time, I, I don't think there's been enough salad fingers to it have got to that point where it's it's really getting old. And maybe you're doing something slightly different as well in that, you know, once it gets to the point the Simpsons are right, it's like, I think you said, did you say it was like a year or two years or however long it had taken you to do this episode? It took a year to do the last one. So it's like, it's, un, it's kind of unlikely you're going to end up at the point where, well, look, there are 200 episodes of this and the whole world of Solid Fingers has been exhausted, right? Yeah. But you'd have to, I guess your process would have to really change. Well, I'd have to get a, a company involved and, again, if... See, there's two there's two sides to it. I can I can do it the way I do it, and it never really be that profitable. Like it's no, it's not Simpsons. It's not Rick and Morty profitable. Profitable, yeah. um, or I can sell out and make let other people write the episodes and animate them and and get it a machine like process, factory like process of producing these episodes. And the outcome of that is I get rich. So I could either get rich or I could be satisfied with what I've done. And, and, so. and do you feel a tension there? I mean, it, does that? Do you, do you, would you find that decision difficult? Oh, I wouldn't do that. Um, I would like to make more episodes. I have, you know, a book of, you know, 30 ideas for episodes that could be really good. So I feel if I ever got a series, I wouldn't be scraping the barrel straight away. Yeah. And I wouldn't be having to rely on staff writers to come up with the plots because I've already got too many plots. It's just I don't have time to make them. So, I mean, it's always an idea that I'll do that. I never want to go down the road of like yeah. selling it to Nickelodeon or something and having it completely be yeah. bastardized beyond my original vision. But it would be nice to get you know a bit more momentum and, and get them produced properly. But I, it's not something I'm like definitely aiming for. And does that feel like a moral line to you? Do you do you feel like yeah, or, or is it like a personal thing? Or? I wouldn't mess it up. Um, I'd make sure that it didn't get into the hands of the wrong people. Um, I'm just saying that that's where it could end up yeah. if I was completely that detached from it. Yeah. You know, some people uh, get det- detached from their original creation, and is that a slug? Burn up no, the no, I think it's a bit of uh, tape. It looks like a slug. Um, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at it because in my um, art, I've got an art room which is just like a conservatory at the back yeah. of my house and slugs get in yeah. and I'm just there doing my little, art little trails yeah just like where, where have you come yeah, from yeah yeah <laughs> I'd be amazing if the room just behind me just started to become loads of slugs this feels like it could be a bit more the world uh, that you animate yeah. if uh, suddenly I think slugs are they're really they're disgusting but they're not in the slightest bit scary Even what's going on with slug, slugs they're just too slow to be even remotely scary and also they're so they can't jump. They're so restricted to their flat plate. I think as well, like, worms look like the simplest form of the thing that you try to do as a slug. But, like, slugs have got extra stuff going on, like the, like, you know, the, the silver trail and whatever. Like, they've got other stuff going on that makes them kind of almost complex enough that they should have a job. You know, whereas a worm, I'm like, all right, you've got no real job. You're just going to kind of keep going through. The, you're going to accidentally make the soil a bit better. Whereas slugs, I'm like, oh, you're nearly complex enough to actually have yeah. a job. You know, like bees have got a bit more of a proper job. Yeah, slugs, um, 
I mean, there's food for something. Birds, probably. Uh, that's that's a good job. If you, if that's your job, then you know, good luck. Right, like like the people in the pits that are supporting. You think that's the role that they have? Like, all right, you're not the Formula One driver. Like that's the bird. Yeah, well, it's a bit worse than I think. You know, if your job is to be food for someone else, it's mean, <laughs> a pretty shit job. Uh, but they are a bit shit, aren't they? And they're disgusting looking, and they just leave this slimy trail out of everything. Who's the? What's the? What's the lemon? The um, have you got time for that lemon? The, the one of the one of lemons turns to the other. Oh. So he's giving like this kind of brief history, but doesn't he get eaten by a, a blackbird or? And they're kind of like scene that you've got where blackbirds. That was how I first came across your stuff. A friend sent me a clip, a clip of this because he's um, he's from concert in uh, in somewhere where County Durham was it, but um, but I spent loads of years in London. But we have this kind of like affinity over northernness, and there's just yeah. one lemon saying to another lemon, "You got time for that?" But I think that's something you capture really, really well as well. Is this very northern kind of like absurdity? Really, like it feels. Does it? Does it feel? Kind of intrinsically northern to you, it, it does to me. It feels like the kind of humour that lots of my friends that are kind of northern and maybe working class have. That is, is kind of complex humour that I think often gets missed. Like when you see in, when you see in the kind of like more mainstream media world depictions of, uh, especially working class humour or low middle class, wherever you want to place this, but. Um, it kind of loses some of the complexity that I see, but it feels like you get some of that absurdity. Does that? Yeah, there's a does it feel very northern to you? Well, I it doesn't specifically feel northern because I don't really know what southern humour would be, but it no. always feels like because um, I've never really had any. I've always lived in the north, so yeah. I've never really been lived in an area where they, they didn't get it. Although I have been to America, and they really don't get really? a lot of the humour over there. And I did spend three months in America once, and it did. It did feel like I had to just stop cracking those. <laughs> those just saying those things—they're not even jokes. They're just like little little things I would say that would go down in the the north. You know, people would respond to them, and I would get a bit of banter going. It just didn't exist in America. Yeah. Um, so, I guess I mean, it's just kind of sort of stupid stuff that it, it comes straight from the school. You know, schoolyard. Yeah. Just stupid, kind of random silliness that it never seemed like it was an effort to to produce that it was always just that's how you'd react to it if you were being a bit silly and does it feel absurd to you? does life feel absurd to you not really no. life doesn't feel absurd oh, what other people do feels absurd. <laughs> well, this is kind of what i mean <laughs> what i do doesn't right yeah i might i seem normal and most people seem really weird or boring yeah um feel like when people get obsessed with I don't know I, I can't understand what people get obsessed with like just um, strictly come dancing and all that stuff so <laughs> I saw one of, one of your sketches where uh, someone's exchanging kind of like time someone's like, someone's like uh, this kind of uh, over this counter saying hey, I'll give you 10 years and how much will you oh yeah yeah send the time away yeah, yeah and, uh, and is this is this maybe how you see the kind of modern world of work that people are just Kind of I, signing up to something. I did work once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a job once. And what was, did you do? I was a, in a warehouse at the back of Miller Brothers, which was an electronics shop like Dixon's. But You've got curved writing. Is that, is that how it, the Miller Brothers bit? You could have done. Uh, they changed the logo a few times. They were. It was definitely more, it felt like a 1980s, 1990s 
shop that just wouldn't exist now because yeah, yeah. Um, we've got the internet. And Tandy. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, not even Tandy because at least Tandy felt like it had a a worldwide brand. Right. Whereas yeah. Miller Brothers was just like just an electronics shop that was in Doncaster, and it was. I don't know. You don't see those anymore. Um, it's probably maybe it's a, a bad thing you don't see those anymore. But yeah, I used to work there. And I was painted as this weirdo, as as the, and I barely said anything, and I, I just tried to get through. And everyone was just so blunt and northern and laddish, and yeah. but I was the weirdo, and I just thought, no, you're the weirdo. It's so really boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And the most exciting thing that, and even when the day's finished, you're still talking about those. You know, those uh, managers' bargains and all, all these uh, refurbs and all. It's just like, it's so boring. How do you go to this every day and just... And they, they were older than me. A lot of them were older. They were angry at me because I wasn't going to be there. It felt like they were angry yeah. at me because I was only there temporarily and they were going to be there a yeah. lot longer. So they would, like, sort of try and play pranks on me and stuff. And they were always really shit. And maybe it was some kind of projected thing, right? Like, they kind of... Maybe they they assumed that either, either they felt you were better than or or they felt you thought they were. Maybe there's something like that going on. Yeah, no, they just do sort of things like they would give you really vague instructions, and then when you got it wrong, they were just like, "Oh God, you're an idiot! What are you doing that for?" I said, "You want to take that over there? Get it out of the train, put the thing on, taking it back. Should have done that." <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just like you didn't explain it properly. It's like I should know. How yeah, should yeah. I know? It's like when people appeal to common sense, and common sense just happens to be happens to be really in line with all the things they see in the world. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's just common sense to do that, and you're like, well. Um, so why do you think? So you grew up in uh, Doncaster, right? Yeah. So why why do why do you think this kind of like slight schism between you and maybe some of the some of the people you worked with, or presumably maybe you went to school with as well? Was your school how... school was pretty good? I mean, it was kind of boring, really, and I wasn't like a good student and I wasn't intelligent, considered intelligent and uh, I was always sort of painted as a being a bit dopey and as a bit really? like, yeah, yeah, I didn't come out with any good grades or anything. Um, I think it was just like, apparently I was always staring into space, I heard that a lot, staring into space, so that's probably just getting distracted by yeah. stupid thoughts, but um, yeah, no, there was a bunch of us at school and we all kind of had a similar humour and we'd all we'd all you know they'd, they'd all get involved in my cartoons and, and videos that I made as well um, so it didn't feel like alienating we weren't like goths or anything yeah we just had a sort of stupid sense of humour and we didn't really care if anyone else liked it or not um, and, w- and were there kind of was there art that you got into or, or or kind of like books or cartoons that 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 helped you create an idea that there was a world out there that felt a bit different that you'd like to be part of or, or gave you a kind of mode of being, as it were? Um, I guess there was always, there's always stuff like Reeves and Mortimer and it, it, was a, it seemed to be like creating silliness out of absolutely nothing and there was no, like, punchline. And, uh, you know, because I was really, never really into punchlines anyway. Yeah. I never found that I would laugh uncontrollably at a well-told a three, joke. Three, three men went into a bar. Yeah, or even like a really well-crafted joke. You know, some of those uh, sort of quick-witted uh, one-liner blokes. It, it never, ever made me like laugh uncontrollably. It was always stuff like Reeves and Mortimer and the League of Gentlemen and South Park that, that actually made me laugh. 
Uh, so I just wanted to make stuff like that. And I knew that even though these things had made me laugh, the, the, probably the most th that I ever laughed was when my friends would do something and we, we would come up with something together. So I just thought if we can turn that into an actual relatable sort of comedy, then, yep. then it should be as funny as it is when we're doing it to each other. Yeah. And so that was always a, a goal. And then animation was just, I need to do this without, like I realized how hard it was to film people and get actors and get people to do what you want and also make it look good, make it not look like a crappy home video. So yeah. animation was just like, right, okay, if I can design it, everything the way it looks, the way I want it to look. Mm. And then we can play all the characters rather than having to hire actors and things. So that was it really. It was animation was just a way of making films without cameras and, and do you think anything gave you the sense that you could just do that because like i guess i guess lots of people might dream of doing that but just not really make the click that we can just get on and do this was um, it like yeah well it always felt like it was an art that some you needed a big studio for and then i gradually realized that you didn't uh the pc software was all good enough we could record voices we could draw pictures could make the pictures move and the editing software was like the final piece. I was like, oh, that's how they put it all together. They, they put the sound under the under the image and it syncs together and even if it doesn't sync, it kind of looks like it does. And you're just like, oh, wow, I thought there was a, I thought there was something more to this. I thought you had to get like really amazing timing, but it's not, you just move it across on the timeline. So as soon as I recover, discovered video editing, it's like, oh, this just, this is all possible, you know. I can just make anything with this. And, and what were the first things that you put out there into the world and and people reacted to? Well, no one reacted to stuff for years because uh, it was hard to, to s distribute. Yeah. Um, it, the internet didn't give you, like, web space for free at first. It, you had to pay for that. And I didn't want to pay for it because um, I was a kid and I didn't have much money. Yeah. So I would just, I would compress the videos down and make them Windows Media format and put them on these free, like, sometimes you get five mega web space. <clears throat> put them out on those and no one ever watched them and I would have to tell people to watch them. <clears throat> and I was spamming them. I would go to forums, I would spam them and I'd put the link there and people like, I'm not clicking Maybe that. being different characters as well, like chatting, oh, maybe yeah. having a conversation about how great this Absolutely. was. Absolutely, I joined web forums um, and then I realised that they wouldn't take you seriously unless you'd posted a little bit. So I'd post and I'd get involved with other people's posts and just to establish myself on the forum. It's like these Russian Twitter bots now where yeah. you go through and you're like, oh, they've had some like weird discussion about whatever and then now they can post the kind of pro-Brexit stuff. Yeah, well, I... And I ended up getting sucked into forums as well. Like, I'd, I'd go back for years. I'd, yeah. like, I'd make friends on these places. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, and uh, also I would just, I would get these tools. Um, you could get quite a lot of dodgy tools back before internet security was tightened up. And one was just, one that basically just sucked up email addresses from everywhere. And I would just have these lists of thousands of email addresses and I would just spam them all with my cartoons. And Amazing. maybe like one would respond and then that person would be, you know, and that was, for me, that's a result. That's crazy. So... How, how how important do you think the internet's been for for work like yours? Like, uh, you know, if, if this sort of all happened thirty years earlier, or well, I'd probably be doing diluted stuff that was that had gone through, you know, producers, and I probably think that it wasn't even possible to do uh, yeah. stuff that was a little bit more out there and weird. And maybe maybe I would have 
worked that out somewhere along the way, but yeah, what I like about the internet is, and also going back to Salad Fingers, if I was doing a Salad Fingers TV show, at some point there would be a producer saying, oh, no, you can't actually do that, you can't say that, but no one ever says that. Yeah. So I have to just sort of judge it myself. And that's probably the difference. It's weird how producers don't see this. They don't see that the reason people like things is often those things that you say they shouldn't do. Yeah. And that's why things like 4chan are full of... Uh, kids are, are just attracted to a place where you can say and do things that are just everywhere else says you can't. And is 4chan one of the forums that you've been on for, or one of the no, platforms that you've used for... I've probably always been too old for 4chan. It's yeah. always felt like there's a, a lot of kids on there, but I do dip in now and again just to see what kind of crazy stuff and those kids it's just it's anarchy it's yeah, absolutely yeah. anarchy and it's I don't know I imagine if I was 15 years old that'd be I'd love it yeah and that'd be crazy to me I just sometimes it seems a bit like overly edgy like uh, I'm not a massive um, yeah I've seen you say before that you, you you don't purposefully try kind of upset people no or... and I'm not into like the whole nihilistic edgelord sort of internet no rules anonymity you know anonymity uh, we can say whatever we want and it, it it seems a bit childish to me but I can see the appeal of it yeah um, I don't feel like there's anyone stopping me saying what I want to say some people have extreme views and there are they are being <laughs> prevented to say what they yeah. want to say but I, I don't think there's anything I want to say that's necessarily that's like crazy yeah 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 and I suppose in, in some way the internet then has had this yeah has this strange the media has kind of affected uh, the the kinds of work that can be done because I guess I guess your work w- is in almost the early years of us understanding how all this stuff and it might even be a golden period right we might look back one day at this this kind of like last 10-15 years of an amazing time that people could come through and get lots of people interested yeah well I mean it's censorship is weird because it's not like there's anything that I could if I, if I wanted to make the most offensive cartoon I could, I could put it out there and it would be hosted in various places. I just wouldn't be able to monetize it. Probably wouldn't be able to post it on Facebook. But you can still do, you know, you can still be extreme. You just have to realize that no advertiser is going to get involved with you. So I don't think there's any, like, actual... I don't think we're in a, an age of crazy censorship. I just feel like we're in a cra- age of, if you want to get monetized, then you've got to... Sort of play by these rules, and that's fair enough. I mean, when I made stuff when I was little, there was no chance of anything making any money. It was just making fun stuff and showing it. Uh, it doesn't cost anything to make something; it just costs you time. So, if I really wanted to make dark, edgy cartoons that weren't allowed on YouTube, then I could just probably post them on 4chan. So, yeah, yeah. it's fair enough. Um, I don't know about golden period. I feel like uh, people are forcing material, uh, just making stuff as quick as they can to try and make money and. I, if there was a golden period, I think it's definitely passed. Yeah. Uh, maybe, who knows, people have got sponsorships and stuff now, but it, I, I, you don't see much animation anymore. It feels like the golden period was before anyone could make any money off it anyway. Yeah. I don't know why monetization came in, destroyed all the animation, and then went away. It, it just seems weird to me. Well, how, how did that happen? Well, when I was posting on uh, Newgrounds, there was, there was so much animation every week. It was so competitive. There were thousands, thousands of animations coming out every week. I can't even think of the last time I saw a new animation, or at least a new animator. I see new animations by the old animators occasionally pop up. But it, it, it just 
in terms of animation, it's just it's died down. And I feel like it's because we were offered monetization. We could make a load of money from our animation. And then YouTube realized that that wasn't a good business model for them because they weren't making any money from the advertising. So they pulled all that monetization away. And it, it, in a way that kind of destroyed the animation, but it was there before the monetization. So it really makes no sense to me why it's gone away. So would... Um... Where was the monetization coming from in the first place? In from, Newgrounds days, yeah. there wasn't any. T-shirts. Yeah. Right, yeah. You'd sell T-shirts or you'd uh, sell, I don't know, artwork, signed artwork or something. Back then, it just didn't seem to be a problem. Yeah. Maybe everything got more expensive. I don't know. I don't know why it, it didn't occur to me back then that I needed to make any money. Because I was, I was never, like, maybe my rent was much cheaper back then. Yeah. But it wasn't, and I wasn't making like thousands. I was just yeah. making a little bit so I could keep going. And and we were saying before that like for years, no nobody did notice or nobody was getting into it. But then, then when did that start to change? Well, I remember when people used to complain about Ebarm's World, and that was a website that just stole everyone else's content and monetized it. But. At the same time, I think we were very naive because we didn't realise how much money you could make from advertising. And they did. And they, uh, in exchange for you getting a little bit of fame by being on Ebound's World, they made a bunch of money off, off your work. And I think maybe that was a turning point. People kind of went, hold on, you've got to stop this. You've got to stop stealing people's content. We can make our own money from. Mm. Then monetization became easier. And then YouTube came along and monetization, they just gave everyone the option to monetize the work and only if it was extremely like violent or uh, sexual would it be demonetized by them but now you can get demonetized for just expressing an opinion so i don't know i feel like um i don't know what people did before then i, I know i just sold t-shirts maybe i don't know how everyone was so motivated to make all this animation without any monetization i just i guess similar like in music when there was a kind of like a huge indie scene in you know maybe the 80s and people were just doing it because they just wanted to get by and play music and i'm sure some people yeah. dreamt of kind of whatever but it seemed like a really thriving scene until at some point the indie scene becomes the mainstream and then suddenly you know you have a whole world where um you know most bands maybe in the kind of like 2000s, their idea was to become a big band, you know? Yeah. Uh, if mon if music doesn't make... I mean, performing music still makes money. It's just uh, selling music doesn't really, because of Spotify and stuff like that. Um, it's weird how they, they said that Napster was the thing that was destroying the music industry. But Spotify, which is completely legal, I feel like has destroyed the music industry way more than Napster ever did. Um, because... If it's not on Spotify now, you're just kind of like, well, probably not going to listen to it then because that's where I pay for my music. Yeah. And I don't want to be downloading torrents of, of bands and then having to upload them to iTunes to put them on my phone. It just seems like too many steps. I feel like by making it so easy to get as much music as possible and also Spotify artists barely make anything from that. Like my stuff on Spotify, maybe £50 every couple of months <laughs> from... Do you, Maybe less than that. Do you feel like um, do you feel like technological development over the last twenty years has, has has maybe had a negative impact on how valuable people see art generally? 
I don't, I think it, when you give everyone the opportunity to make something like that, uh, a lot of people prove that they actually can. And so making great music or making, you know, music that people want to listen to isn't as hard as everyone was made out that it was. <laughs> do you think everyone was blagging it in the 70s and 80s? Yeah, yeah. honestly, I do. You're playing, they're playing three-chord pop songs and people are buying them because what else the have status quo like? being rumbled then by the, the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it's weird. How, the one I had in my head was The Cure. I was just thinking, I mean, I do like The Cure, but... <laughs> I don't think there's anything. I never think. Oh damn, that's genius. That's that's something that not, cast, not many cast, can do. you know. You oh, know. The, <laughs> cast the Lars. Them? I mean, the Lars. Lars maybe was you know. Then there's some kind of more. But, but I think by the time the cast is going, a cast is going on. And I, I like some cast tunes. You know, I used so to like cast when I was a kid, but now I, I listen back to them and they were just. I don't know. Um, I didn't realize how much everyone sounded like Oasis back then. To me, they all sounded different. Yeah. And now I listen to them, and it's like, oh, they all sound like Oasis, don't they? Oh well, I, uh, Oasis were kind of my gateway drug into kind of like playing in bands. And um, and now, you know, I was saying to somebody the other day, I'll write a tune, and I'll be like, yeah, this is a bit like LCD sounds this morning. It's a, it's got kind of like feel of Massive Attack, and I'll play it to someone and like, oh, you're an Oasis fan then? And I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you making music? Is that was it, have you been doing that as long as you've been yeah. animating? I used to just um, make it off from samples because I wanted to sound like the Chemical Brothers, and then I learned to to compose stuff. So I wanted to sound like Eggfix Twin, and now I want to sound like me. But everyone's just like, "Oh, it sounds like Boards of Canada." Or <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Twin. I'm like, "No, it doesn't. It sounds like me." And I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. And and really would you, if you could do one, um, if you could do one art form? Would you pick one, or, or would you always have this kind of eclectic? Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a mix because after doing Salad Fingers eleven, I didn't want to animate, and I haven't really animated much since then. Um, yeah, I just kind of don't want to do that. Too much screen involved, not enough free expression. Like after a while, it stops being expressive and it becomes this sort of mechanical task. It's like a technical of, thing, really. Yeah, putting it all together and. Worrying about too too much about how it looks, especially because people liked my old stuff as much, if not more, than my current stuff. So why don't I just go back to making it look like that again? But there's this one part of me that says, "Now nah, I can make everything look better than it used to." So it takes it takes longer. Like if I put a, another Salad Fingers out now that looked like the first episode, people would be like, "Oh, this looks shit. <laughs> this is horrible. Why are you doing this?" Yeah. So uh, it, animation just takes too much of my time up in the end. That's why it's like being. Um, making music is like the early days of my cartoons. It doesn't matter if it is a bit shit. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> you should um, have that as one of you, you know, where it's got the kind of like strap lines where it's got like Q magazine says this and whatever says yeah. this and you said it doesn't matter if it's a bit shit. But that's the thing, when it comes to artists, it's hard to put yourself in the mindset of like, I'm sure Noel Gallagher thinks he's a better songwriter than he was in the 90s, but... <laughs> All his best songs, to, uh, could, yeah. uh, you know, according to everyone else, all his best songs are on the first two albums. But I bet he thinks that he just keeps getting better. And he probably does technically. He's probably getting all, like, you know, different scales. And uh, I bet he's worked out some new, you know, some techniques that he didn't even have back then. But so it's weird. I mean, I'm the same. I, I, I think I'm getting better all the time. But uh, most people probably prefer the stuff I was doing when it was kind of shit. So... I feel like if you want to really be consistent, then you probably should be in touch with what made you good in the first place. 
Because I don't think anyone's saying that, you know, Noel's... It's just an example. Noel Gallagher's best yeah. work's ahead of him. But I, I bet he thinks that. And I, it'd be awful to think that my best work was 15 years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> then there'd be... What, what would be the... What would be the point in trying harder? Might as well just churn it out. But it's kind of more fun to churn it out. I don't know. So there's so many different elements, and you just want to. I just want to move to a different art form that I'm worse at sometimes, just so I've got something to work at and be be crap and enjoy being crap. And is it that early bit of kind of problem solving in art form? Do you think you're constantly searching searching for those? Because they must have. You must have had an amazing period. You know, at the, say at the beginning of Salon Fingers, where you're like. And I'll listen, like I'm, I'm really enjoying, I'm learning something. But also, somehow, the thing that I'm putting into it is resonating with a lot of people. Yeah, but there's always that feeling of, I'm not really an animator. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I wanted to get rid of that, and I did get rid of that. And now I've got rid of it. I'm like, oh, I'm an animator, and it takes forever. Kind of want to go back to being, not knowing what I'm doing, and spending I guess a I've... week making something rather than spending two years. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think there's a Jack White somewhere who's basically saying, like, you do in this song I won't sing it but he said something like you're in a little room and you kind of you um, you just do something really cool so they give you a bit of a bigger room and then you carry on trying to do it but it feels a bit odd and then before you know it you're in this kind of like huge room and you've got all these things and you're not really sure if you need any of it but you kind of you know and all you really want to do is go back to this little room where there was just you and these other people you know yeah and also there's another example Jack White and it never feels, you know, it feels like he's never going to do anything as good as that real simple white stripes yeah. stuff. But in his head, he's probably getting better all the time. He's probably writing the best stuff he's ever written. But yeah. it's it's weird how we don't we don't feel uh, improvements as uh, as an improvement like technical improvements don't improve the experience really. They do for the creator and they do for on a sort of wow in a wow factor but if you weren't like admired as a virtuoso in the first place like I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure Jimi Hendrix if he was doing really simple basic stuff he wouldn't be as admired as he was but some people aren't admired as virtuosos but they try and get there and they're, they're admired as, as someone who creates an emotion and virtuosity doesn't add anything to it so yeah it feels like a really strange landscape that you're really good at you're really good at creating this kind of like like almost like an inner neurosis somehow like projecting that I mean does that do, do you feel like that do you feel like that some of this is is um, is an outward expression of some of the things that we all have uh, but maybe it's the bit that we all try keep to ourselves well I think it's it's good to if, if people can relate to it I think people can relate to it when it's more amateurish so that's why punk rock was so big because everyone looked at it and thought, oh, I can do that, that's, that's simple and that's fun. And I think it goes the, the same with art. If, if someone sees something that looks really kind of simple and basic, like anyone could do it, and anyone can relate to that then, it, it, it becomes more, more appealing. So when you get better and you move away from those people, they don't look at you anymore and think, I can do that. They just kind of go, oh, that's, that's kind of impressive, but it, it doesn't stick with them as much, it doesn't resonate with them as much, so... Again, I, I mean, I'm not about to go back and do things really simply because I've always done things as good as I can do them. Yeah. So if you go back and do it simply again, you're just going to end up faking it, really. You yeah. fa uh, it's almost like pretending you're poor to hang around with poor people yeah, when yeah. you're actually rich. Yeah. Uh, so... So did you feel there's a, a 
I kind of battle them between yeah like you you with your examples it seems like technique and and getting better is almost um is almost a nemesis of of expression that yeah. that the better people get technically some sometimes they you know I have a friend uh, do you know John Gom the guitarist is like an incredible technical guitarist and discussions we've had over the years are about really you know the things that yeah like Oasis got me into music and you listen to that early stuff and it's just sheer visceral expression something like Columbia or Bring It On Down it's just like um, but yeah I've always I've always felt there is this tension between being incredibly technically good and still being able to you know, it's, these people like maybe you see like a Jeff Buckley or someone who like somehow manages to kind of walk walk that line do you feel that that, that the more technical you get the harder it is to do the expressive stuff um, well when I'm writing a cartoon I think I want the uh, maximum emotional impact from an idea and if that idea is not put across as you know, if it doesn't make you feel something, it's hard to say because if I would have done the most recent episode of Salad Fingers when I was first starting out, there's loads of things in that I wouldn't have been able to do. So in my opinion, they wouldn't have hit with the same impact and I probably wouldn't have even attempted them. I would have gone for different, simpler ideas. So it feels like with the skills, you attempt different things, but they might not be, they might not be emotionally impacting. Um, it's really, it's really difficult. There's so many variables in it. You just think, well, so our simple idea is better because those are the only things I could have done back then, or is it better to explore different techniques and animation that I couldn't have done back then to get new ideas? It's really, it's just so there's so many conflicts in. That's why I like to move around to different um, art forms because I'm bad at them and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't have to have these thoughts of oh. If I'm doing it bad, is it? Am I doing it bad on purpose? Yeah, there must be so much with salad fingers, for instance. There must be so much more. There's a whole world there, right? Whereas when you maybe start a new, yeah, a new, we, new music thing, you don't, you, you don't have that baggage, right? Mm, was I, it was it was it strange? So when when salad fingers starts to, you know, be really appreciated and and obviously still now. I mean, it was sold out the other day, wasn't it? At the Carriage Works, and yeah. I think could have been much much busier. Um, well, people well, really appreciated yeah. the, late, the latest one, and you know, a lot of people said it was the best one yet. And it, I'm really happy that they said that because it, if, it'd be awful to work on something for a whole year, and they say, "Oh, it's just not good." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like I. I don't feel like I still. It, it's. It's not like it. Yeah. Part of me wants to have gone back and just been consistent the whole time. So if every episode was the, the same in quality, then I wouldn't have to spend a year making the next one. I yeah. think that's what it's about. It's about, I want to get these ideas across and I don't want to spend a whole year doing it because <laughs> yeah. at the end of it, I hate what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, can, we, can we talk about the pigeon? Which pigeon? The, yeah, like, a, the pigeon? like I came out of multiple pigeon stories. Yeah, but, but the, the, the kicking of the pigeon. This is a dead pigeon. Yeah, yeah. It's a dead pigeon outside the job centre. Why? Like, but this seems to have struck a chord, like... like it seems to have struck a chord with people, right? Like, there's something... And, like, people do all kinds of things that are pretty barbaric, but kicking a dead animal yeah, seems well, yeah. to strike a chord with people, right? Why? It's just a pigeon. It was a dead pigeon. It's just a pigeon. It was a dead pigeon outside the job centre, and um, he kicked it, and then the, a lady came out of the job centre and started shouting at him. <laughs> I like how you're like... <laughs> It's just a dead pigeon a outside dead pigeon. the job centre. This sounds like the Grimace. It sounds like yeah. Bukowski, kind of. Well, I... A, a hedgehog died outside my house recently 
And, you know, first the flies came for it. How do you know it died there and wasn't, didn't die somewhere else and was put there? Um, well, it's at the side of the road. Yeah. So it died outside the house and, yeah, the, the, it got eaten by, you know, the, the, there was loads of flies around it and then there's loads of birds pecking at it. And mm. I just sit at my window, uh, you know, and I just, I just like looking out the window. And I'm watching all these birds peck it and then, you know, that then they just left it and there was just this... And then these kids came up and they made a sign and it said, help the hedgehog, save the hedgehog. And they put the sign next to it and they put it all down the street. There was these, it d- drive safely because hedgehogs are dying or something. And I just thought, oh, I guess maybe it got hit by a car. I just thought it had died and it was just on the grass. And then these other kids, these really little kids, these dirty kids, started picking it up and swinging it around and stamping on it. And I went out and I said, don't do that. It's really horrible. That's just like... You, you just wash your hands, and it's like you wash your hands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well I tried. Yeah. Uh, every day I was like, "That's really." It's a pretty strong of... retort as well. <laughs> like, how do you come back from that? <laughs> like, no, you wash yours. I was just walking past him. I was on the way to the shop, and I was just, "Don't touch it. You'll get diseases." Like, you'll get diseases. Everything I said, they just said back to me. They were like eight years old and younger than that, and they were just they kept on picking it up, and they kept on going back to it day after day because it's just. It's a skeleton. Basically, it's like ribs and all the spines are there because I guess they'd... And they're just jumping up and down on it. Uh, so I think people are obsessed with, um, I think, kicking dead animals and, and picking up dead animals is a very uh, sort of primal... Like it taps into something. Yeah. <laughs> These kids, though, you know, they're eating... Also, they're eating ice cream. Uh, it's... It, they were all eating ice creams <laughs> later, and I don't think any of them have no, watched that. No, they've not been. They've got not. They've not got that antiseptic stuff that no, people carry in the bags. Like with that, you know, I got some of that stuff, and I was going to go out there. I think if you if you'd it. gone out there as the creator of Salad Fingers and you were cleaning children's hands, yeah, I think you're on a one way ticket to trouble there. Yeah, I just thought as well. These they, they look. This very is the sun. Well. This is a like you know, this yeah. is a sun story. This is. I don't think any of them know who I am. Yeah. Especially the little kids, yeah, yeah, it's 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 good. Um, yeah, do your neighbours do your neighbours know what you do? I've only just moved there, so yeah. not yet. I do know some people on the street though, so they know. And maybe yeah. they'll spread it around, but hopefully not. Right, yeah. Um, do you think it's do you think it's harder to do strange stuff when when the world is strange? Like we're obviously in a period now of particular strangeness. Maybe it's because of the rapid movement in technology. It's obviously something's going on in politics. But you know, you look at things like I don't know, a spitting image or something like that. It's but it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. Is it? Do you think it's harder to do strange stuff right now because the world is in a yeah. bit of a strange place? And also, a lot of satire used to be the people versus the establishment, and now it's kind of like split sides. And they're like, we we, we like this side of the establishment, <laughs> yeah, and some yeah. people like this side of the establishment. And if you attack, you know, Donald Trump, then it's not like. Years ago, if you would have attacked Bill back in the day, if you would have attacked Bill Clinton, it probably been like everyone would have been like, "Yay, Bill yeah. Clinton! He's a he's a weird guy." Yeah, but it's always against them. But now it's like it's very polarized, isn't it? And everyone's like, "No, Trump's great," and the other people are like, "No, he's terrible. He's the worst thing ever." And then a big argument happens, and so then now then comedy like Saturday Night Live, which is exclusively does attack Trump, seems really kind of forced and stale, and it seems like it's a really easy target and. It's like, well, you weren't attacking Obama with everything he did. And obviously Trump's very comical and he's, he's ridiculous, but it just seems like I just want to stay away from political stuff because it's yeah. just, you know, if you attack one side, it seems like you're sticking up for the other. Did you, obviously growing up in, in South Yorkshire, did um, 
Did you did you grow up with kind of like any any sense of the politics that were going on at the time in? Uh... It was just us versus them. Yeah. It was like the, the, there are people in the you know down in street and they're just making decisions for the the rich and it was always just yeah it just felt like they're all a load of lying bastards yeah. and I mean they still are it's just people have really started taking sides more maybe maybe not more maybe I'm just paying more attention to it these days but maybe it's because of the internet and people start sharing ideas around and but you know also I think people seem to think it's more racist like like um, there's more racism than there used to be and maybe there is but I just think racists have finally worked out how to contact each other <laughs> and um it's not generally a very social thing to be racist, is it? So uh, most of them probably just sat in the houses and had these these views and didn't share them with anyone. But now we've got the internet and they all go on these certain um, social networks that claim to be censorship-free when in, in reality they're just a place where you can be racist horrible. and horrible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so... Yeah, I was saying a similar thing to a, my mum and I were... I don't know how many times I'll say this sentence in my life. My mum and I were discussing polygamy earlier on today. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was kind of, we were talking about the way, pro- probably, you know, in many ways a largely positive way that the internet has made it easier for people that maybe look around at their local community and don't see anybody like them to now concert so, so lots of things that would have been subcultures before are now kind of like massive movements across the world because you know yeah there might, it might only be one percent of the population but like if that's across the world that's huge and i think similar things have gone on here where like you know you can be maybe far right or far left but you can you can build a network because of the internet that's just like tens of thousands of people really quickly but it's it's like you'd think that would have brought people together more but it seems to have divided them more and it's brought lots of divided groups together more, yeah. hasn't it? So, um, I can't remember what you were originally asking. Well, uh, yeah, I guess it's South Yorkshire thing, but did you, yeah, because obviously, I, you know, I grew up in Leeds and in, in quite a kind of, um, well, very lefty environment, but but South Yorkshire, even like I was watching a documentary on Thatcher this last last couple of weeks, and and, and it seems even like what happened in South Yorkshire feels brutal. Like, did you did you have any sense of that growing up there? Do you do would you'd hear about when I was a kid? I'd hear about Thatcher occasionally, but it wasn't necessarily. I think I don't think people were really aware enough to be considered left leaning or, or yeah. right leaning. They were just working class people getting through life, and yeah, yeah. whatever political decisions were being made generally didn't take them into account and yeah. it seemed I remember when Tony Blair got elected and it seemed like that was going to be a good thing and I was only like 15 or 14 so yeah. but I got from my dad and from other people I got this impression that it was a, a big positive change but I don't think that positivity lasted too long yeah. it's just like oh okay yeah well same same as so yeah. it's all the same as it was it's just the, the blame has been shifted now so I in general, I don't think I, I grew up in a massively political environment. No. And if it was, it was maybe my dad would go on a few rants, but it's not like it was a, a whole community. Yeah, and you, you said your dad, your dad draws. Did he, yeah, yeah. did he do that? That's what he did for a job or...? Yeah, my dad uh, worked in 
art college and that's mainly what he did but as soon as he got home you know he was be working on his own stuff yeah nice uh, and did you learn stuff did he teach you kind yeah, of techniques yeah. and stuff I like think, that and my mum's an art teacher as well so I got a oh, lot well. of um, tutorials uh, a lot of tuition at yeah home. so even though I hated like at school I really just didn't like the art teachers later on in school it just didn't it just felt so much hassle and pressure it was almost like I always can compare this this teacher I had to like Gordon Ramsay like as imagine if that sort of presence of whatever you're doing he's just going to come along he's going to slag it off he's going to make you look an idiot in front of everyone so I started losing interest in art and luckily my parents were continued to uh, encourage me and teach me stuff I probably would have quit otherwise when you draw stuff that looks a bit dodgy do you ever get do they ever go come on David you could do a better uh, you could draw a better sun than that or you could do those mountains are looking a bit no no it's never that critical it's just quite um, positive do they like do they like your work yeah yeah Yeah. I remember when I was a kid we used to make Christmas cards instead of like buying them we would make them and and my, my dad would I think we'd carve them out of lino. Like, my dad does a lot of lino prints. So. Nice. But I always remember, like, it would be Santa, Father Christmas with, like, a, like his ass out or something. I, I always remember it was very encouraging to be to be rude and to be sort of stupid. That's subversive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds like a great environment to grow up in. Yeah. yeah. And we, we were talking before, you were saying um, how... Um, so yeah, for, for for a long time, nobody really kind of like noticed, and it was difficult and difficult to get on the internet. But at some point, this changed, right? At some point, lots of people were interested, and lots of people are kind of following what you're doing, and you a crazy amount of like subscribers on YouTube and stuff now. Like, like when did that? When did things start to change? I didn't care that no one watched it. It's not like I was invested in being an animator. No, no. I thought I was going to be a filmmaker um, because it seemed like animation was just a way of making films without having actors and stuff. So I just, I went to film college, a film, university film course, because uh, I just wanted to make films. And then it was while I was at university that I learned flash animation. And and I only did that so I could put things on new grounds. And then I made Salad Fingers and that's when it got, it just was zero to popular in, in one cartoon really yeah like well how how long did it take or like a week really <laughs> like to go from someone who just gets a few like maybe a few hundred hits a week to thousands oh my god what was that like it, it was great and, and, but i had a feeling like a, I, I don't want to lose this so i had to make more and more so i was just working like crazy those first two or three months after the, the original south while still doing your degree um it was summer yeah. It was uh, June, July, August, September. What year? What, what years, year is 2004. that? 2004. Yeah. And then when I went back to university, I was like, uh, I'm quitting film <laughs> and I'm doing an animation course instead. Yeah. And then I did that for about a few months and then I stopped doing that as well. And what happens? So, you, so it goes live within a week. Thousands of people are watching. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, I've got to make episode two. So I, it took me about two weeks to make episode two. As soon as I put episode two out, I just started episode three. It took me about two weeks again. And the, the views were just going up and up and up. And then people were like, oh, you got to sell T-shirts. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Put T-shirts out. They finally started selling. Like they, like I, I got this, this shop by about Christmas 2004. And then 2005, I was making quite good money. So yeah. uh, off the T-shirts. So I just thought, I'll, I'll do this instead of university. And and that's uh, to, to all of the kind of like financial stuff came from the t-shirts rather than the actual. Also, I was living in a shared student house in Hull. Yeah. And um, 
I was at university, so I still had my student loans. So yeah. Money wasn't a big worry at first. Um, so I was just like, hopefully I can make some money off this. That must have been crazy. Yeah, I, I stopped doing university because I just thought, well, it's costing me to go to university. I can save that money and I can make some money. And I don't think my parents were too happy at first about me leaving university, but <laughs> I managed to keep it going. Yeah. I, I just thought that I can definitely keep this going. If, if I can make this much money from T-shirts... Like, people don't really buy as many T-shirts anymore. That was... It was a big boom at first. Yeah, what was it? Like, uh, it was just this, this... That's how people were getting... Were funding doing the kind of stuff you do. I think so. I just thought, well, maybe everyone finds it this easy. But why just T-shirts? T-shirts? Why not, like... Don't know, tracks with bottoms or shorts? Oh, no, it, was, or... it was Cafe Press. It was this website where you could just... You didn't... There was no financial investment. Um, so they must have made... I mean, I probably got about 20% from each T-shirt. They must have made... Yeah. thousands of me they're probably doing an interview somewhere going well <laughs> yeah. I think I was in the one of their top stores for a while it was, yeah. Uh, yeah it's crazy how that didn't continue but there's a lot of bootleg Salad Fingers t-shirts now I always yeah. see it on Instagram people are like I follow the Salad Fingers hashtag and it's always people with bootleg Salad Fingers did you ever comment on it did you ever I did once did you what did you no, say I, I, um, I, I took screenshots of all these people wearing my bootleg t-shirts I blurred the face and everything and I put Stop posting pictures with bootleg T-shirts on. Buy some real ones, and the um, people got really annoyed. People were like, really. Oh my god, I didn't know it was bootleg. Ah, it's horrible. You should <laughs> even <laughs> with the face blurred. Fair enough. Fair enough. Whatever. Um, but um, yeah, blur the face. So, so this is like thousands of people, and you must be started then getting contacted from yeah, maybe all over the world, and suddenly something starts to exist in other people's lives, right? Yeah. And people start to have these kind of, you're talking at, at the Carriage Works about people having these crazy ideas. Like, like that must have been really weird for you to to suddenly have created something that now exists. I mean, I, I own a, a much smaller thing, but I've had, like, written songs that friends have had, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a like, gym playlist, like, I put one of your tunes on. And even that, like, it's just this kind of like, ah, oh, this exists. This like, this thing is no longer purely mine. This exists out in the world. And yeah. was that was that weird? Um, it's 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 weird of watching people watch them because you, on the internet you've just got a bunch of numbers. You're just yeah. like, oh yeah, fourteen million, but I can't picture fourteen million people. Yeah. and they they don't contact me. Most of them don't contact. Really? Me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I get emails and comments and stuff, yeah. but. It's still a low percentage of yeah. all the people that are watching it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to know. So when I see all the people in the in the theatre watching it, like the other night, um, that then it impacts me. Then I feel it. But in general, it's just numbers, especially on Facebook as well, because you can put something on Facebook and you can have four million people watch it, but you don't notice. Like because unless you're looking at the comment section, someone will say that oh, Salad Fingers has been uploaded by Unilad or something, and it's got four million hits, but no one ever emails me and say oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unilad thing. It's just I don't know. Maybe people aren't as engaged as they used to be. Maybe there's so much that comes along that they just think ah, oh, that's another thing. Like I never contacted. <laughs> I see a lot of crazy videos, but I never go and try and contact the author. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's it's like it happens, and I'm sure it is happening. But I have to use my imagination to uh, to see it happening. And uh, 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 have you ever been? I don't know. Have anybody ever had a kind of reaction to your stuff? And you've you've kind of like I don't know. You've either found their 
their take on what you've done as kind of strange or has anything ever felt have you have you have you ever done anything like solving this episode and thought oh uh, like actually now now it's had some kind of reaction. I wish this wasn't in the world. Not salad fingers. I don't. Oh, you, you were talking the other day about the one that you'd done um, that you thought was kind of a bit on the nose about. Was it anxiety? Yeah, yeah. It was actually the first thing I put on Newgrounds, and um, I remember all the comments were just like, "Oh, this is depressing." And <laughs> it was. It got very average reviews on Newgrounds, and I think I agreed with the comments on that one. I was like, "Yeah, it is a bit depressing," but they had one like funny moment in it. And everyone's just like, oh, this moment was funny, but the rest of it's depressing. Don't do that. Don't mm-hmm. make it. And, but some people were like, oh, yeah, this is really, really speaks to me. This is yeah. just how I feel. And I thought, well, yeah, you don't really need to tell people straight up that you're anxious or you're feeling this or you get claustrophobic or anything. Just try and make something that's claustrophobic or anxiety. Inducing. Yeah. And, and at that point, did it feel either personally or kind of like publicly you felt some kind of impetus to talk about mental health issues or no I was just I I, uh, I just wanted to make light of it I think um, I realised it was you know what I was feeling was probably very weak compared to what some people feel I wasn't suicidal or anything I wasn't in a bad state I was just trying to express also, I didn't know it was even anxiety I was talking about. I was just I was just trying to get across how I feel. And loads of people were like, oh, yeah, I feel like that. It's uh, agoraphobia or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, maybe it is. And then yeah, a bit later, I kind of realised that it's just... It doesn't... It didn't do anything for me to tell people that it didn't... It just made me kind of annoyed at my own lack of imagination... Regarding that subject, I could have done something much better with it. So, do you, do you feel like you've, um, yeah, you've 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 gone into those kinds of things, but in a, in, a, in a more subtle way? Another, another. I mean, most of the stuff that I experience that you do feel has a feel of neurosis about, but not necessarily in it, only in the same way that kind of like Dali stuff feels like it's, you know, about neurosis or Jackson Pollock stuff. Like I'm like, there's a surrealism about these things. Yeah, that... I just, I think it's just getting better at working out what those things are that inspire those feelings because sometimes I see things in the in the world and they make me feel something and it might just be something as simple as a doorway and I start feeling something about it and then I think it's just recognising those feelings and trying to translate them and sometimes you can get anxiety across just in just in the way someone's walking yeah um, it's very difficult to reanimate that <laughs> but um yeah, so if you put every element, if you tailor every single element in a cartoon to a specific mood, then you can create this atmosphere without really saying anything. And I, I think just working out just how to get those feelings across was, you know, that was what something I had to work work at to instead of just saying, this is, you know, this is how I feel. So also not everyone got that and it's fair enough. It's It's good. In that way, because then if you don't want to feel anxious, you don't have to, because you might not. But some people will, and some people get that from what I'm doing. And if not, then great. It's like comedy. You don't have to make people laugh. If you try and make people laugh and you fail, then it looks bad. But if you don't try and make people laugh, or you, you put something in there that could make people laugh, but if it doesn't, then fair enough. Then it seems like a success. 
But if it's straight up, if you did stand-up comedy and nobody laughed, you'd be, um, well, you'd feel pretty stupid. <laughs> you'd feel, feel pretty bad. But if you did a lecture and you put a few jokes in and people laughed, even if they didn't, you'd still have had a successful lecture. Like this is like an anti-sales method of kind of like, you know, subtly... Yeah, well, it's, and that's the I, I realised that it it can make you laugh, uh, but it doesn't. It's not a failure if it doesn't. It can scare you, but it's not a failure if it doesn't. Can make you feel anxiety, etc. Um, I just find that was the better way to work because then it, it it didn't feel like, and I've done things where it has, you know, the aim has been comedy, and if you didn't find it funny, then you probably wouldn't have got anything else from it. Yeah, yeah. That was the kind of nutritional thing to go to go there for. Yeah. Um, and the other day you, you sounded like you were kind of sceptical of people, and kind of, you know, academics kind of theorising about... I don't think about, they were ever academics. About, <laughs> of, of people uh, theorising about about art generally, but is that because oh, you're sceptical? Oh, I you my stuff, like um, art in general, yeah. No, um, I don't think... You know, if you think about things that are uh, overly analysed, such as like artistic masterpieces of the of the past, I don't think there's anything special going on on in uh, the Mona Lisa, for example, or whatever the, the smile's supposed to be. I just think he was painting, you know, good at painting, and he painted a girl. That's it. And I think it's the same with modern stuff, you know. And you say Jackson Pollock. I don't think he was doing anything. I think he was just trying techniques out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting away from technical drawing and just sort of splatting paint all over something. So I don't think there's any... Uh, I think you can you, you can theorise what, what the artist's thinking, but I don't think you can really... I don't think analysing a piece is... I don't think there's really much point to it because you should be analysing the person rather than the piece itself. Like, there's obviously there's going to be a reason why you come up with an idea, but to take it out of the context of the artist and to just put it in the context of Salad Fingers is doing this, for example. Salad Fingers is doing this. That means he must be a war survivor, etc. Is ridiculous. You, I didn't think that when I was making it. So you should rather be analysing that, analyse why I, I would do that rather yeah. than why he would do that because he doesn't exist. So analysing him is ridiculous. Do you think there's um, there's a... A possibility of of seeing you, the artist, as a kind of vessel, and that even you, you, you know, you might not be aware of some of the things, like, like almost like the art comes through you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the same as if you're looking at a kid's drawings. Like, I think children are a really good example because when you're creating something, it's good to think like a child. You you get into that childish mind frame. And you don't stop and think every time you're going to draw. You, you don't give a kid a pen and then you come back an hour later and they're looking at the page going, hmm, what do I draw? They just draw something that they're thinking. Yeah. So you can probably analyse why they're drawing it, but most of them are just going to, you know, it's just about the fun of creating and coming up with something. And if a kid's drawing, like, every picture's got a man with an axe in a window, you might want to say, well, why is he doing that? But... You don't analyse the picture itself and go, oh, well, that axe murderer could be, um, you know, he could be a survivor of the war or something like that. So maybe they do live near a person with an axe and he keeps walking past the window and he's got an axe in his hand. (laughs) But yeah, so I will come up with an idea and 
it, the better analysation would be why have I come up with that idea, not why has. <laughs> It sounds like you're kind of like, uh, you're like, stop thinking about solid figures, think about me. <laughs> well, in general, you, it's the way they analyse it is so ridiculous. Yeah. It's almost, it gives me too much credit. It says that I've constructed something, like with this big master plan, and I'm, I'm revealing all these ideas, but very subtly. And it's just the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. It, it, he, like I said, it doesn't exist. So, do, do you feel an affinity with Solid Fingers? Do you feel... It, it, is there a lot of you in there? Yeah, but, you know, uh, in the early days, um, there were three of us pitching ideas in, so there's no one person's um, personality. And also, a lot of the time, Solid Fingers will do something purposefully to take you out of the character. So if you do that, then... It's almost like an anti-character trait. Like the one where he burst into French in one... At one point. Yeah, yeah. That's not suggesting that he was a, you know, people will be like, oh, maybe he was uh, stationed in France. Maybe he was uh, molested by a Frenchman. Maybe yeah. he was, you know, murdered. Maybe he was not murdered. Maybe he was just like abused or something. It's just like, no, he's just, it's just to take you out of the character. Yeah. It's, um, I feel like even explaining it is over explaining it because it's just, it's just about the unexpected. And if he does something unpredictable, then that's... It's just to take you down a sort of... I don't know, to give you a, a feeling of, of disjointedness. Do you, do you believe generally that... Well, I guess first, that, that, that people have a lot going on subconsciously, and I guess second, if you do, do you think that is what's happening often in, in art? So do you think there are things that we are not aware of that come through us when we're making art? I think there's a lot of accidents. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I think an artist, most artists are primarily focused on making something that looks aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And then when they've done that, then you can decide what it means. Yeah. Um, and I think if an artist sets out to subconsciously express that you know, whatever opinion they've got, then I'm probably not interested in that. Art. I yeah. just feel like that's a bit annoying. I feel, <laughs> I honestly don't feel like that's, I've never felt compelled to do that. So. It's skeptical about lots of contemporary art that is kind of conceptual first and aesthetic. Oh yeah. Maybe. Especially that. I don't, I don't really have any. You're not a fan of toilet, Duchamp's toilet seat or anything like that. Um, I don't think, I'm not a fan of um, something that's very unsatisfying to, it's got to be satisfying to look at. It's got to, there's got to be a satisfaction in there to experience it. So, for example, Damien Hirst's Animal in Formaldehyde is interesting to look at. It, I don't think there's anything more to it than that. And if there is, then I don't want to, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not interested. But, you know, his pots and pans on the wall or whatever looks crap and I don't want to... <laughs> uh, you don't got time for that. Yeah, I ain't got time for it. <laughs> I, I once wandered into a Damien Hirst exhibition and I thought it was one of those things and you know sometimes when you go to an art gallery and there's like kids art on the wall because they <laughs> like they had a little class there. Or something. Yeah, yeah. But, Encouraging next generation. Yeah, I thought it was that. It was it was a Damien Hirst exhibition I didn't, I didn't realise I'd wandered into. <laughs> um, uh, so, and also like the unmade bed. I just, it's just a bed, isn't it? It's an unmade bed. I 
I'm not, I don't care if someone says I don't get it. If it's, for, for me, if it's a bit crap, then it's a bit crap. And a lot of us, um, but a lot of uh, conceptual art is interesting to look at and you go into a room and there's a, a thing set up and you go, oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. So, so that's good. But I'm not a big fan of, you know, uh, something that's supposed to make a point, but doesn't really tell you what that point is. Yeah. It's, just, it's not, it's, it's no interest of mine. So, yeah, just, um, I guess, getting towards the end, it's a great chat. And um, what's what, what's coming up now? You always seem like you've got so many, you know, listening listen to you and, and looking at your kind of like all your work, you've got so much going on. Um, I haven't done an uh, animation for a while. And it's probably because I moved house and I've just been painting and making music. But I've been, I've been thinking quite a lot about one. And I'm going to try, like I mentioned earlier, try and step back from overly complicating it. So I can complete it in a couple of months. Um, but if not, then it'll take a year. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen with it. Uh, I've written it, I wrote it ages ago. It looks to be about 10 minutes long. Um, but it's a new, a new world, a new... Oh, it's, it's, it'll be Sock um, 6. That's the one I sort of like put my... I put my thoughts into... Um, Is the stream of consciousness. Yeah, that's... That's one that I've actually, I can imagine making. It's not... It sounds really therapeutic. I heard you talk about it the other day and I was like, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that is really like, yeah, just really almost like mentally cleansing to make. Yeah, I... You're getting rid of all the subconscious stuff here. This is what's going on. That's it. I want to... That's, to me... <laughs> that's that... the one that they can analyse, right? Really. <laughs> um, I want it to feel like a dream. And if... But I didn't necessarily dream these things, you know. I, I come up with them. They might seem like dreamlike elements, but I didn't necessarily dream them. Sometimes I do dream things and I put them in there. And have you seen Unshian Andalou? Yeah. Yeah, and almost the impossibility of coming up with. But is things... that is, is that supposed to be dreamt, or is it? I think the idea is they were trying to create something to almost as a test of whether humans could. Um, live without a narrative so to the I think the point is these things are totally unconnected but your mind has to create a there's a reason the spiders are coming out of the hand um, so the difficulty in creating that's, something that actually feels yeah, that's interesting because I think that's how people analyse my work they can't understand they can't comprehend the idea that it might just be random humour yeah but then to write it all off as random humour would then be going too far in the other direction and saying that nothing could mean anything. So I'd like to balance it somewhere in between and make it not too obvious which way it is. That's in terms of salad fingers, but um, sock, it, the, the, the whole point of it is to feel like you've dreamt. And if that's the starting point, then you can put anything in there. But at the same time, there's very specific... I think... Um, a very specific set of rules in dreams. And when people tell me dreams and that make too much sense, I either think they're making it up, they're filling in the gaps themselves, or they just don't dream like me at all because I have a very broken narrative in my dream. Things change into other things, people turn into other people, and the call back to an earlier part of the dream is almost never consistent. It's always like in my mind, 
it calls back to an early part of the dream. It'll be like, oh, maybe maybe I was in Brazil at the start of the dream. And the call back in my mind will put me back in, but it'll put me in a different country. Mm. It'll put me in Spain or something. And it, I, I just feel like when someone explains their dream and it's so consistent and it almost runs like a, a film, I just think, well, we obviously dream differently. Um, but Salad Fingers isn't meant to be like that because the, the, there has to be some sort of resolution, I think, because he's, he's a, it's a character piece. Yeah, there's a, there's a given context, and it? It, yeah, it, it's he, a world that has... Yeah, he's obviously seeing things differently to everyone else, and but at the same time, his world could be like that. It's not necessarily the real world. It's through his head, and if he sees a character, it might be a real character, it might be his imagination. But in the end, he is a real person, or he's a real creature, and he's not imagining his own life, and he does live in that house, and it's always fairly consistent in that sense, whereas Sock the world itself is kind of the character and if the world wants to spit out a, a man with a dog's head who's, I don't know, got a sewing machine and maybe he's, I don't know, he's, he's doing jobs for people, I don't know, then fair enough, but, you know, that can be abandoned in the next scene. So there do, is a... Do you remember Turgeon and Earl? I didn't have a Mega Drive. Oh, I, had, no. I had a snares, so... Um, Sorry, you wrote to finish a... Uh, I was just going to say um, the freedom of creating, it can go anywhere, but it, it wouldn't. It, it's but there are parameters. I just don't know what they are yet until I write and explore them. And if it seems too contrived, like it's trying to be weird, then I'll pull it back and I'll try and make it more narrative based. At the same time, it could just be loads of little ideas all condensed into one place that aren't really connected. As long as it doesn't feel jarring or unsatisfying that it when it flows from one to another. Uh, but I have written one, and I think it's it's got a dark atmosphere, and it's similar to the last one, but. It's not a continuation, and none of the characters are the same. And what happens from here for that to come out into the world? Um, I took a photo the other day of a doorway. Like I mentioned, a doorway earlier. Doorways are interesting to me. I took a photo of a doorway, and it felt like that was me saying, "Right, that's the first step of this. This is that's that doorway is gonna. I'm gonna be able to build something on that, and it, it's gonna be a photo one again." A manip- manipulated photo one, but I also might um, I might start some paintings of some of the scenes, and then either they'll turn into storyboards or they'll inspire where it's going to go. And if you're painting, I think rather than making something on a computer where you write it all, you, it can it can uh, it can evolve as you paint it. So maybe I'll do some paintings, see where that takes me. But I've got all the script. And I will need to get some voice actors for it because I'm not doing all of them. Um, Dom and I will we'll be sub characters. I generally look for people who don't have a register, which is similar to mine. For example... Have we got similar... Well, I need a female voice actor and she needs to be, I think, quite tough sounding. Yeah. And old, old people with that crumbly old voice that I just can't do because I'm not old yet. Yeah. Do you find when people... We were talking about this before. You know when that... You had effects that turn your voice into a couple of um, octaves lower. Don't you find that people also make their voice lower when they're doing it? So they'll go, hello, Mm. into something that makes it lower. Yeah. And I think once you've messed around with audio a lot, you start to recognise the artefacts that come from dropping your voice a few pitches. (laughs) And you realise that you've just got to find people in in real life. I mean, you can can audition for it if you want. But... What I'm looking for is, like, 
you know, if you want an Attenborough type of sort of voice, like yeah. that rich, you can't even fake that unless you're at least 60. You've got to, I reckon, mm. I mean, everyone, everyone can sort of do that. Old man, so, but it's not really an old man. You can tell as a, yeah, as a yeah, young yeah. man underneath this fake old man voice. Mm. I do think um, uh, pitching your voice down, though, does often make it, I think that's the closest you can get to making yourself sound like an old man. Is uh, Just talking like this. Well, you can, but there's something... <laughs> I feel like the voice sounds like it get, gets extra layers to it when you get older. Yeah. Stephen Fry has got a very thick, layered voice. I like to... If I, if I could... Uh, there are a few people if I could... Get, get Stephen Fry involved. Stephen Fry, I don't think he would. He you know? No. And I think he'd probably ask for quite a bit of money. Oh, I don't know. Um, if, been, well, if he listens to the podcast... Yeah, we um, should... Uh, we'll, Stephen, we'll can, Stephen, if you... Um, he can send you an email, can't he? Yeah. He I can do, audition. I do have a list in my head, like, of, of people who... Um, I think I saw I saw the list of... Uh, this, what is it? Dustin Hoffman's in... Uh, your 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 list of who play in a Solid Fingers film. Oh, yeah. There's, Keanu um, Reeves. Um, that that was people just kept on asking me if there was one, so I was just like, yeah, there is. I think it was Ice Cube was in there. Yeah, Ice Cube, yeah. Was in there. Ice Cube was playing Hubert Cumberdale or something. Yeah, I, it, it reminds me of the uh, Mario Brothers movie. How? Oh, was I, Danny DeVito in that? It, it's so far from Mario Brothers. It's just like you can't take this because Mario Brothers was very really basic back then. It wasn't even like yeah, like, really at that point. Yeah. And they've got these the characters that's supposed to be Goombas, those little mushroom guys that yeah. walk, but they're the full people, <laughs> and they've just got these weird little heads. It's like you've got to really stretch your imagination to to connect those two things. Awful yeah. film. Yeah, would not recommend. No, um, I think it had a rock set tune in the. I feel I feel like rock set might have done the. But yeah, this has been great chatting, man. And uh, yeah, so nice, so nice to get your thoughts on on everything. And yeah, really look forward to seeing some. When when can we see some more sock? Do you think? Sorry, uh, very gassy. I shouldn't be drinking cola. Um, I might decide that I'm not going to allow myself to spend more than three months on it. Cool. Because I do not want it to be a another one of those year-long things where I'm sick of it by the end. I want to, I want to enjoy it. little Christmas treat. Is that three months away? It's a bit like October, wouldn't it? You could kind of... Like, what 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 do you do then? Do you, will you put it out or do you... I'll put it out on my Patreon. Yeah. But it will go out to everyone. It's just yeah. people will... will um, um, yeah, where, where can people find your Patreon? Oh, yeah. Uh, just... Um, I can't remember what it is. Is it Patreon, David Firth? If you Google Patreon, David Firth, that yeah. is... It's a few steps, isn't it? Going on Google, but it's linked to all my all my all my socials. Yeah, cool. Um, I am going to put some other stuff out before then, though. I imagine because I've been editing a podcast. We do a, a Fat Pie podcast. It's not actually a podcast like this where we talk as real people. It's it's <laughs> character based and comedy based and very silly. Yeah. Uh, one of those is coming out soon. I can't remember. I've, I'm sure I've got other stuff that's I've made that's. Like I just it make got so the, many things going on. It, it, it used to be I'd make something and then I'd release it the moment I'd finished it, but now sometimes it's, you know, it happens months later and I, yeah. I forget what I've made. I made a cartoon, a little, a short cartoon, a minute long cartoon, to promote a PS4 game, but it had nothing to do with the game at all, apart from it, the characters holding the game at the end. Um, they said it, they were going to put it out. I that sounds paid. like one of the better payers that. Well, the, the, 
yeah, <laughs> that that it was you know that worked out, um, but they they didn't put it out, yeah. and the game came out and. They said it was great. They said they really liked it, and it was a full cartoon. So I mean, that might turn up at some point. That's I might, bad. I might uh, tweet them and say, "Can we get this out? Yeah, can I put it out?" But uh, who knows? Maybe they just forgot. Let's <laughs> just do it on a Google Drive somewhere. Yeah, but you know, if you want an advert, it's a free advert. I mean, you've paid for it. You might as well put it out. I think you could use this for another company, though, right? You just I was get thinking, right? Somebody else can hold it at the end. I was thinking, if this doesn't go through, you know, if, if this is some, suddenly cancelled at the last minute, I could, yeah, you could be holding anything. It could just be... <laughs> it, it was basically a, a little script that I wrote for something else, like Sock. And then I pitched it as the um, advert. And they were like, great, make it. And so I made it. And, and they, they, they said, this is great. We really like it. And it's mm. just not gone out. Sounds like almost the best of all worlds. It is, but I still would like to put it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to monetize it or anything. Yeah. I'm going to put it out. I've got the money for it. It just... I just want people to see it. I quite like it. I'm quite happy with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for being in. So nice to, to have you here. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, nice yeah. to be here. Yeah, hopefully have, have, have more chats in the future. I don't know if you could hear that handshake on... Yeah, the, a handshake took place. It'll be in the notes in the minutes. Yeah. You know, like uh, what's the thing at um, at Parliament? What's the thing that's Hansard? That's just printing things that are happening oh, con- right, yeah. permanently. It's just printing everything that happens at Parliament. All oh, right, okay. That yeah. must be great reading. Yeah, yeah.